Well, tonight, uh, if you would, as a launching point, turn to the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts of the Romans. You know, you lose a little skill when you use your uh, computer or your phone as a Bible. Because it'll take you right there. And I'm handicapped enough with these big old fat fingers. But anyway, um, there was a gentleman in World War II that left, uh, that led the United Kingdom uh, at the very beginning of the of the uh, 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 of the invasions of Europe that German made, and uh, he was a great leader. Uh, but uh, the first vote after the war. He was replaced as prime minister in the United Kingdom. Anybody know who that was? Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Uh, it, it's a good story. The man's life was not one that uh, he was a heavy drinker. He had a number of issues, but he was a great leader. And he made the statement, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And it's so true. Uh, if we would if we would just learn to apply that principle and that worldly principle to go along with it I have three different uh, Christian principles if you would Christianity takes for granted the absence of any self self help and offers a power which is nothing less than the power of God but first of course the Christians got to uh, understand he's not to rely on self-help anymore amen to rely on God. He's to rely on his heavenly father. He's to rely on his savior and just uh, uh, spend his time in God's word. This uh, particular Christian also said to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. And uh, um, some comments were mentioned on uh, Sunday. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes a Christian life's a challenge and sometimes uh in those challenges, we're going to meet people who uh, don't appreciate uh, our love for our Heavenly Father. And then last, religion today is not transforming the people. It is being transformed by the people. It is not raising the moral level of society. It is descending to society's own level and congratulating itself that it has scored a victory because society is smiling, it's accepting its surrender. All those were from uh, Tozer. I'm going to read that one again. Religion today is not transforming the people. And you know the interesting fact, before I finish this quote? You know the year that Tozer died? Anybody in here? 1963. I think it was a prophet. Amen? Amen? Religion today is not transforming the people. It is being transformed by the people. It is not raising the moral level of society. It is descending to society's own level and cr congratulating itself that it has scored a victory because society is smiling, accepting Christianity's surrender. As we look in the book of Romans chapter 8, 
Let me begin in, in verse 33. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad news out there. There's a lot of stuff for us to listen to, and there's a lot of things going on. But in a sense, I'm tired of all the bad news. I think every once in a while when we come to the house of God, it's a time of encouragement. It's a time to uh, sit back and relax and just enjoy feasting on God's Word. That's what I want to try to accomplish tonight. I don't know that I'll do it. I've entitled uh, uh, tonight's uh, Bible study, if you will, Victory. If you remember, that's the reason I used Churchill's deal. That was his big sign, you know, when they were in the fight. His main word, his buzzword at that time was victory. And folks, we've got to understand that that's what we live in as born-again believers of Jesus Christ. We live in victory. Whether we reach out and grasp everything that goes along with it, well, that's a little bit on us. Because all too often we look around us, we're like Peter, we see the storm raging and we take our eyes off Christ. But what we need to do is veer back on, on course and get our, get our eyes on Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And then he answers this question. It is God that justifieth. I am justified. I stand today before God just as if I never sinned before because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm justified and it's just as if I have never sinned. And you too uh, occupy that same position if you too have accepted Jesus Christ if you're born again. Verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. It's important that he died, but once again, it's more important that he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now think about that. I use in my class, I've had a new buzzword. What is it, class? What's the new buzzword? Critical thinking. Critical thinking. Amen, there we go. Critical thinking. Oh, they all had it. They just had a problem getting it to the front part of the brain. That's where everything in mind lays. It lays back there in the back. I have trouble pulling it out. But critical thinking, all too often, you know, we talk about that's what our kids ought to do in college. That's a load of bull. What our kids need to learn to do and what we as adults need to learn to do is to continue using our critical thinking skills to devise a way of life that is uh, contained in God's Word, that is led by God's Word, and then put that critical thinking into action because what else is it for? It's to act upon. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, we're getting into some heavy-duty stuff here of once saved, always saved. I love it. I'm glad I'm a part of it. And I feel sorry for those who can't grasp what Paul is saying here to the Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? I've had it. Have you? You know, you worked your way through it. You're still saved. Or distress? Been there. Persecution? Probably not as much as what other Christians are seeing around the world tonight. Hey, uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't care for him, but 
But I think Glenn Beck ought to get some credit on the public stage. He's raised 40-some million dollars in just a matter of, of less than a week with the, uh, what's the name of the fund? Nazarene Fund. To go over and rescue Christians that are being brutalized over in that area in the Middle East. And I think he went over there today. So, you know, just a word out from him. You might not like listen to him. You might find his humor tough. But he's holding a line that a lot of us don't have an opportunity to hold. And then he's putting his feet to action. I was listening to him today, and he said, uh, um, and I don't want to make this about Glenn Beck, but he said, uh, you know, he's real, he's real uh, temperamental about the money that's going into that he's raising for that fund in that he buys all his food, he buys all his uh, transportation, he buys everything to make sure none of that money that's been appropriated towards that fund to save those people is used on him or his staff. And I thought that was, that was outstanding. Our politicians won't do that. Our politicians won't be caught over there. We had two caught over there. They went over there on their own to see what was going on. And then their bosses, when they get back, say, that will not happen again. I told Robin tonight, I think every one of them ought to have to go over there and see what's going on in that airport today just so they know how and just what it's like and how to fix it. How do you go? I can't, I can't fix a car that I can't see that I can't get close to. And they can't fix this mess unless they get close to us, but in my opinion, they don't want to. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get off on that. Come on, brother. We're here. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then the next verse comes a resounding what? Nay, no. In all things we are more than conquerors for, through him who loved us. And who is it that loved us? It was Jesus Christ who loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, including Satan, he's a creature, he's created, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, we got a theme that's continuing all the way through this. It's Jesus Christ our Lord. And that, my friend, therein is where the victory is found. In Jesus, there is V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Say it with me. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Why do we find it so hard? Why do we find it so hard? We get down on ourselves, we get down on other Christians, we get down on other people, we let it affect us, and we don't take advantage of the opportunity of being in the Lord Jesus Christ and living in victory. One who conquers, one who gains a victory. Believers get to live in that victory, but the one who conquered and the one who won the victory is Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad he did it for me.
And I'm so glad that he would have done it if I was the only one that it needed done for. I'm worth that much to him. And so what does that mean? You're worth that much to him. Second Corinthians, and I said this was going to be a Bible study tonight, so I really don't have much to say. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, and what was that weakness? What was the weakness he was crucified in? In being a man. He was a man. That was, that was the only weakness he had. Yet he liveth by the power of God. So, Jesus Christ, he died in weakness. That weakness was being a mortal man, but he was all man and he was all God all at the same time. If he wasn't, he couldn't have died for our sins. Sorry, the medication I'm on drains me. <clears throat> but the second sentence there. For we also are weak in him. We are weak in him. Now, at first look, you're thinking, well, I I'm weak in Jesus Christ? No, you're still a human being. You're weak in Him because you're weak in your humanity. One day you're not going to be weak in your humanity if you're born again. You're going to be changed. You're going to be like Him. But right now you're weak in your humanity. But we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to put any thought on that. Why? What does the rest of it say? But we shall live with Him by power of God towards you, towards us. That power, God's looking down with his power and he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got the crosshairs on each and every one of us. His power is given to each and every one. If we'll receive it, if we'll use it, if we'll take hold of it in our lives, not just to be strong and bold, but to help us in every as aspect of our lives, from the minors to the majors. It all matters. If he cannot trust us, the Bible says, in the small things, how can he trust us with the big things? Pure victory is living in the power of God, which elevates the believer to gaining the advantage of superiority over the ruler of darkness, that old devil, in this journey that we have on earth. And... You may have people out there that are against you. You may have neighbors over there that don't like you. You may have family that doesn't like you. But the only one that is the true enemy is Satan himself. We conquer him. We can conquer any other unsaved, mean, ruthless human being in our life. And the world is full of them. Not just in the Middle East either. They're all around us. It's a sign of the times, friends. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. But thanks be to God which give us us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast. Unmovable. Man, get you a position. Unmovable. Always abounding. Be everywhere. Be in every situation. It reminds me of a linebacker, Mike Singletary. He was in every play, in every game, and you could see it because the intensity was on his face. 
He was watching what was going on. And we need to be the same way in our Christian life. We've got to keep our guard up. Because Satan doesn't come in and destroy our testimony all at once. It's in little pieces. It's in little pieces. Abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So build a little confidence here. You need to know that your work is not in vain. That's important. When I get done with a project, when Scott got done with his project, he could look at this podium and say, man, that's a job well done. I can look at that product that Scott did, and I can say to Scott, Scott, that is a job well done. What do you think God's going to tell us one of these days? When we live a victorious Christian life, when we have won souls to, to, to Him, when we have worked in Bible schools, when we've worked in Sunday schools, when we've sang specials, when we've encouraged the pastor by when we agree with him saying, Amen, Brother Eric, Amen, preach it, brother. You know what? I'm not the only one that's over here Amen and all the time to get me excited. Preacher needs a little help knowing we agree with him every once in a while, too. There's a, uh, <clears throat> there's a black preacher has a deal out there on all the different names of God. And brother, you listen to it, it'll fire you up. The whole message in which all those uh, names of God were preached in was in a sermon about saying amen when you agree. When he's rattling off all those names of God, the Lion of Judah. Man, amen, brother, I can get excited. I can feel the hair standing up on the back of my neck right now. When we get excited... Why not agree? And I'm not just talking to men here. You can say, uh-huh. Preach it. You can say it. I wouldn't say a woman. That might stop a service. But it's not a masculine statement. Amen simply means I agree. I agree. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be unto God. Listen, I love this. You've got to understand this next word, and I'll explain it to you in just a minute. Most of you men who enjoy history and probably have heard this at a men's retreat before, but uh, now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And then on down in verse 15, it goes on and says, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. <laughs> you are a sweet savior of Christ. Savor of Christ. Scent. Smell. God smells you smelling like a Christian. Man, that smells like a Christian down there. I really like her. I really like him. But that triumph, that word triumph. Back in the days when Rome was big on the earth, They held what they call a triumph. And it's probably some Greek word that I can't say, so I won't use it. But a triumph, when a general came in and he had won a great battle. And that general would come in and he would be led on a chariot with four white horses. And he'd have a horseman. 
And then back behind him, he'd have a, a young man with a javelin. And they've got on their best uniforms, their best suits. And then behind them were the princes of the kingdom. Royalty following them. Telling them how great they are. Throwing rose petals. And then behind them was the spoils of everything they brought out of the land that they conquered. This would be maybe the king or the princesses of that kingdom. And they would be heavy laden in chains, dragging those chains through the streets. And that's a picture of the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Satan, one of these days, is going to be locked in chains in hell eternally, never going to bother us again. We have already won that victory. Now, all the little accolades and song lyrics that say, I read the back of the book and we win, that don't even come close to explaining it. We more than win. We not only win, we stomp him in the ground. We, in the ground. Satan is conquered. He's triumphed over. And that's what, that's the mindset here in 2 Corinthians. Is that triumph that we did such a great job. And as that general was down below the king. And the king is watching this parade with his great general that has won this great victory. He smells all the perfume from the parade. He sees the roses. He, he sees all the accolades and all the different things that the, this general gets. But he can smell it. That's my general. He went out and he conquered for me. He's loyal to me. And that's the way God needs to be when he looks at us. He needs to look at Randy and he says, He's loyal to me. He has all these issues. He has all these problems. His health is failing. But bless God, he's loyal to me. That's my son. That's my son. That's what it's all about. That's the Christian life. We're going to have the hard times. We're going to go back out there tonight. Not going to see a whole lot of victory out there. We're going to see moral interpretude to the degree that sickens most of us. Because we're out there and we see it so often in the public square. But out of all that, he can pick that child of God out and says, Oh, man, he's triumphing for me. This is his triumph. His life is a triumph for me. And he smells, she smells so sweet. Brings me such great joy. Are you living at that point in victory today? Are you living there? Or are you muddling through life? You're a Christian. You're safe forever. But where are you living at? Always remember history. Turn with me over to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 1. If I get you all to turn, it gives me a chance to get a drink. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. This is a song of victory by Moses. Understand <clears throat> what has just happened here. They have been led out of Egypt. They got to the Red Sea, and we all know the story. We've all seen the Ten Commandments. We've all seen Charleston Heston get to the edge of that mountain and raise up his staff, and that water parts, man, those Israelites, they head across that water or that dry ground. And then here comes... That, that big 
flame column dying down, dies down to nothing. Pharaoh says, go get them. Go get them. Destroy every one of them. And bring me back the blood of Moses on my sword. And of course, they go into the Red Sea. They're destroyed. People today are still looking for them. Some think they found them. Some of those chariots in the quarrel down below. And, uh, but that don't matter because I live by faith. Amen. I don't live by sight. I, I care less they find him. I care less if they find the, the Noah's Ark. It doesn't mean a thing to me because I don't walk by sight. I live by faith. But that's where we find Moses at right here in 15 verse 1. He created a song. How many of y'all that have a song that comes to your mind that reminds you of when you were a teenager? Every one of you can raise your hand. Don't be bashful. There's a song there. I don't care if it's worldly. I don't care if it's Christian. But you have a song that you remember. I do too. But Moses creates a song here, and probably back then it was more of a chant. But then uh, this is the way it goes. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, I will, will exalt him. Moses is saying, man, he's looking back on the day's events, and he's writing this song, and he's putting it down. He just can't, and, and maybe he's penning this letter at a later date, when God's given him the, the, the uh, Genesis also. Maybe he's pinning it then and, and keeping the history. I'm not for sure. But he's remembering that day. What a great day it was. And I'm sure all through Moses' life that he reminded his children of that day. I can see him as he gathers around and, and a lot of children. Let me tell you what happened that day. You weren't born yet. Let me tell you what happened. This happened 35 years ago. I know it was less than 40. How do I know? Come on, question. Test question. They wandered 40 years. And he never got to go in, right? There you go. You, get, you, you pass the test. At least Miss Janelle did. But he, uh, he wrote this song so people would remember. Remember those trials in life that came along. When you can definitely see God's hand work in your life. Hang on to those. Don't let them get away. You young people, it's so important. And by young people, I mean everybody that's under 56 years old. <laughs> Remember those times. Take joy in those times. You want something to pray about? Discuss and rediscuss those times with your Lord with thanksgiving. So that they're there on the front of your mind, not back here in the back, but in the front. Remember. And then next, beware lest you forget. Chapter 15 is where this took place. If we look forward one chapter in chapter 16 and verse 1, look with me there. And they took their journey from Elam, and all of the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness. And I like the name of this. It's, by, it's called the wilderness of sin. Now, it's not because it was a sinful place and the best I can tell in my studies this word that's used here for sin was a muddy marshy area 
But I just, I, I'm just amazed after what we see what happens here at the name of that and what it means to us today. Came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month. How long have they been out of Egypt? 15th day in the second month. Do what? Yeah, 45 days. Two months and 15 days. Two months and 15 days. 75 days. 60 plus 15, 75 days. Uh, maybe there was a one-day month, I mean a 31-day, maybe it was 76. Don't get me doing math on my feet. Two months and 15 days out of Israel. Two months and 15 days out of Israel. Out of Egypt, excuse me. Out of Egypt. See, they got me all frazzled now. Out of Egypt. They've left Egypt. They have seen Pharaoh destroyed, his army destroyed in totality. And they're here. And on the uh, 15th day of the second month after departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel, what did they do? They murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. It's after 400 years of bondage. 400 years they were slaves and, and it was called bitter. Bitter slavery. Bitter, hard slavery. And they're ready to go back just one chapter later. Always remember and don't fail to forget. And then next, save enough of your time to pay attention. Save enough of your time to pay attention. Discern the times. This is in the book of Luke. I didn't put my reference down here. The book of Luke, I believe chapter 12 and verse 37 um, the Bible says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. When the Lord comes, who is the one that's happy? You can replace ha blessed with happy. Happy is that one whom the Lord finds what? Watching. Looking out. Lord, is today the day? Going to work, man, today could be the day. I know that dude that works with me, he, I really need to say something to him today. I know that gal that I'm a waitress with, I know she really, she really needs to be saved. That teacher that I work with, I, I know she's not saved, I know she needs to be saved. Today could be the day. What I wanted on my conscience that they slipped out into eternity because I wasn't watching. That's the attitude. Finds you watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet when he finds these people that he finds watching and will come forth and he will serve them. One of these days we're going to be sitting at a table. Each and every one of us that are born again. We're going to be sitting at a table and we're going to be waiting to be served. And we're not going to have some dude coming in a tuxedo or some uh, dude coming in a, uh, what do you call the deals that you put on when you're cooking? Apron. Brother, your Savior himself is going to come 
and he's going to reach around your shoulder right there and lay a plate down before you. At least that's the way I see it. I hope it's not a smorgasbord because I want to be close to my Savior because He won the victory. And I live in that victory because of Him. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants, happy are those servants. You're going to be so glad that you were found watching no matter when he come, whether it's a first watch, second watch, or third watch. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, what would he do? If you found out someone was coming to your house was going to break in and steal your stuff, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Talking about being alert, being ready for that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 40, catch on to this. Be therefore ready also. Oh, he's talking to us. It's not just thrown out there to everybody. He's making this personal right here. Be, it there, be ye, be you, therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh, at an hour when you think not. I've given this little scripture a lot of thought. When you think not. Now make no mistake, he's talking to Christians right here. But right now, I can't help but wonder, I see an entire world. The United States is the, the, our, um, there's less Christians in the United States today than there has ever been. I mean by population, percentage of population. They're not even thinking about it. They're not keeping watch. He's going to come and they're going to think not. And it has to be that type of situation because the man of perdition is going to cause them to believe a what? They're going to believe a lie. They've got to be ready to believe a lie. He's not going to go, ooh, hocus pocus, believe a lie. The world's going to be so prepared that the lie is going to be accepted because of the way the world is. And I guarantee you, we have never seen a world like it is today. Yet we can still live in victory. Why? Because we're keeping watch. We're waiting for him to come back. Or at least we should be. <clears throat> Time and prophecy is not the main point here. The main point is applying time in righteousness, which includes all aspects from cover to cover, personal, public, and church family life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, and we could substitute the word what in there? Love, and have not love, Paul says, I am nothing. Nothing. Then in verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. For the greatest of these 
is love. So personal life, will he find you while you're watching, reading your Bible? Will he find you praying? Will he find you at least thinking of him while you're watching for him? In public life, will he find you sharing the gospel? Will he find you with your servant's towel on and that towel having been used? There was a saying in FBI meant to include in this tonight. And uh, it went something like this. Maybe Terry or Miss Pam will remember it. But uh, don't let your uh, ego towel be bigger than your servant's towel. Don't let your ego's towel be larger than your servant's towel. Because, you know, we as human beings, I have an ego, I have emotions, and I'm driven by them sometimes. But that servant's towel needs to be greater. Needs to be greater than that ego towel. Um, will he find you in your public life? Will he find your vocabulary something that he could say? Would he find your vocabulary something he could say? And then in church life, will he find you encouraging in your church life? Will he find you building up and seeking those whom you may disciple in your Christian life? Ask, your question, ask the question right now. Is there anybody in life that you are showing any inkling of effort in discipling right now at this moment? Because that's what we are called to do. And in your church life, lastly, will he find you giving? I'm not just talking money. I'm talking time. You know, while we are commanded to give that tenth, that time is way more precious. Because it is fleeting. And it's going away. And then, <clears throat> victory's in and I'm almost done in this particular dispensation in which we live. And we'll end up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That's talking about when Christ calls us back. We as believers we'll do, that are alive and well, and I hope I see it. I want to see it so bad. We'll just be changed. But we'll go second. I'd like to go first, but we'll go second. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption... And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy... V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends with this, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren and sistren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work in the Lord, for as much as ye know not that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It may be in vain here on earth, but it's not going to be in vain in the Lord. So what's my message tonight? Well, number one, it's victory. We live in it. It's ours. Take hold of it. Think of it daily, what Christ has done for you. But I want to encourage you to hold tight because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for all that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for what this meant in the study, Lord, uh, that I should be living in victory as well, no matter what the situation. And, Lord, I just ask you to watch over each and every uh, church family member that's here tonight, Lord. I hope that they were encouraged tonight. I hope there was something here, Lord, that they could jot down, that they could remember, Lord, that they could carry with them, Lord, that would be an encouragement, Lord, a builder. And, Lord, just uh, watch over our pastor as he ventures back, Lord. Just help this time to be a good time for him, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Watch over everything at Cornerstone Baptist Church. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.